Hello, thank you for listening to this sermon from our Revive service. We hope it helps you learn more about God and allow you to grow closer to Him and in your faith. Just a reminder, as we have our guest speaker here today, Pastor Aaron is currently traveling on his way to Guatemala. If you missed that the last couple of weeks, um, that's where he is at, our senior pastor, Pastor Aaron. So please continue to pray for him as he is currently traveling, but then also will be there all week and training up uh, pastors down there so that they are able to continue to preach the word of God to the people down in Guatemala. So it's a pretty awesome thing that he's able to do and have the, the privilege to be able to do that. Um, our guest speaker today is Kevin Burkholder. I'm going to have him go ahead and come on up as I talk about him. If you'll probably, if you were at our underground church two times ago, um, he led that. So some of you may recognize him as well. I've known Kevin for a long time since he was youth pastor at Goss Memorial, and then when he started to go into being the senior pastor and get demoted, as Pastor Aaron says. Um, I introduced him to Pastor Aaron so they could talk through that, and it's because of me that they are now friends, really good friends. Wow. And that their families are friends, so I led that. I realized I was in such debt. (laughs) So we're excited to have Kevin here. He's now part of a missions organization and and being a part of that, and so no longer at Goss, but God has called him to the missions, and that's very exciting, and we're Excited to have him here and to preach and to bring God's word to us today. So would you welcome Kevin for me, please? Please hold your applause until the end. (laughs) Uh, Whoever's idea it was to have the children be dismissed before this, it's a really good idea. Subject as few people to this as possible. It's very good. Oh, if it's your first Sunday here, I'm sorry. Uh, Come back next week. I'm sure it will be better. Um, I am excited to be here today. A number of you are friends of of mine and uh, people that we've known doing life and ministry together in different ways with teenagers and adults throughout the years. And so uh, I appreciate uh, my friend Aaron inviting me to come and speak this morning. Uh, I'm happy to do so. It's always humbling when somebody says, uh, hey, I'm going to be gone. Would you uh, come and share the word of God with the people that I normally lead? And so uh, I'm, I'm humbled to do that. It's very dangerous, however. Uh, I think it's something that you kind of risk. Like, this could be a big mistake, right? We might not be friends after this. Like, who knows what might happen? I don't know. Um, Just a little bit about myself. Uh, As David said, I'm now working full-time with a missions organization. If you want to chat about missions afterwards, I'm happy to do that. Uh, I am happily married for almost 24 years. Uh, Coming right up in June will be uh, our 24-year anniversary. Um, I used that phrase recently, and I, and I realized you have to be careful when you say that phrase. You can't say almost happily married 24 years, <laughs> or like almost married happily 24 years. You got to get that right. Happily married almost 24 years. We have uh, three kids. We have a young adult daughter who's staying at college for the summer. She just turned 20. I'm old enough to celebrate a birthday with a child not at home. Some of you are going, yeah, get used to it. That's what happens when they get old and and they move out. Uh, They just, you know, call you maybe on their birthday or you call them, whatever it is. Uh, We have a 16-year-old going on 17. I think there's a song about that. Uh, in case you um, want to look that up. <laughs> and then our youngest is 12 and in seventh grade. Um, families here today, minus our young adult daughter who's at college. 
Um, what is the goal of this? To tell stories about Pastor Aaron for the next half hour? I could probably do that. We have a hey-ho time. Um, let's not. I do want to respect Aaron. Uh, he's gone for his wife's birthday. Do you know it's Lisa's birthday this week? Next Sunday. Yeah, and Aaron will be gone. I, he did the most amazing thing for, for his wife. He knew he was going to be gone, and so he did the most amazing. I think this is amazing that he would do this. He got her an entire day next Sunday without him. <laughs> what a guy. Um, I, I think for her, I mean, that's a huge win. I really do. I, that's a very special birthday. At least I'm sure you're going to enjoy that. He invited me to do this. All right. Our goal for today is that, that you will, here it is, that you will know God better and want to apply God's word to your life. I love the word of God, and I always will. And so I think it's one of the routines, if you will, or uh, parts of the service that's built in where everybody stands for the reading of the word of God. So let's do that today. If you have a Bible and you want to open up to Mark chapter 2, uh, you can do that. It's uh, If you're new to the Bible, uh, Mark is going to be kind of in the about three quarters, <laughs> Matthew, and then Mark is the second book in the New Testament. So that's where it is in mine. It's about three quarters. And these are the stories about uh, Jesus. The New Testament begins to tell us about uh, Jesus, uh, God's son who came uh, to earth. And so Mark is the second uh, of the gospels as we know them. And these verses give us the heart of Jesus. I'm glad to get into them uh, with you today. So Mark chapter 2, verse 13 through 17. He went out again beside the sea, and all the crowd was coming to him, and he was teaching them. And as he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax booth, and he said to him, follow me. And he rose and followed him. And as he reclined at table in his house, many tax collectors and sinners were reclining with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. And the scribes of the Pharisees, when they saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, said to his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? And when Jesus heard it, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician but those who are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. God, we ask for your help today. Help us, uh, whether this is the first time we've ever read this passage or uh, we've heard it dozens of times, help us to be sensitive to uh, the power and to the movement, the leading of your Holy Spirit. Would you work among us in this room in this time? Would you visit us? Would you help us to be open and ready to be submissive? To your will and to your word, we give you thanks for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, as Pastor David said, uh, Pastor Aaron is traveling to help train uh, other leaders in Guatemala. One of the things that they will be doing is uh, using a model of scriptural interpretation, observe the scripture, interpret the scripture, apply the scripture we always want to do that when uh, we come to the Word of God. There's 
a lot just in this handful of verses. There's five verses uh, that we'll cover in the time uh, that, that, well, God knows how much time it's going to be. What, do I have an hour? Is that about right? Okay. All right. There we go. Um, let's, let's, let's get started here in the uh, verse 13 and verse 14. Uh, first point, I just went with three points. It's kind of the pastor's playbook. Got three points to stick to it. I can, I can think that way. Jesus knows us personally. He went out again beside the sea, verse 13, and all the crowd was coming to him and he was teaching them. And then in verse 14, and as he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And he rose and followed him. There's always this unknown in God's call. I, I try to put myself in, in, in Levi, as we know him, Matthew, I put myself in Matthew's shoes. What it had to be like for Jesus to walk by and to just say, what, what am I going to do? What's the plan? Who's going to pay the bills? How's this going to happen? There's always this unknown when God begins to work and God begins to stir in our lives. And in verse 13 and 14, we see kind of the contrast in the way that God tends to work. Uh, we see that there are crowds, right? And we see that Jesus is uh, teaching crowds. It says he was uh, by, uh, beside the sea and all the crowd was coming to him. And there are oftentimes, not just in, in Jesus's life and ministry, but in, in, even in the Old Testament as well, where we see crowds of people. But the contrast to the crowd is the individual. The story usually isn't about the crowd. The story is usually about what God is doing in somebody's life. And I praise God for that. It's easy to kind of fit into a crowd. But the contrast is the individual. And it's just kind of one of those big Bible themes. Um, I'm not going to use an always here. I'm not going to say that this is always true. But a lot of the times when God is doing something and it's really powerful, the opposite of that truth the opposite of that command, the opposite of that leading of the Holy Spirit is right there on the page for us. And so when we see Jesus calling Levi as an individual and having a powerful experience in him and then his, we see in his fear, this is in contrast to the crowd. A lot of times in the Bible, we see that. So who is this individual? Maybe you know something about him, maybe you don't. Let me help you out. He's a scumbag. Okay, and I chose that term. It's not a nice term. You might be even a little bit uncomfortable with it, but it's pretty realistic for the way Levi would have been known sitting at that tax booth. A couple reasons for that. First of all, he's a tax collector. Tax collectors aren't exactly revered in our society. <laughs> okay, uh, sorry if you work for the IRS or you know your granddaughter does or whoever. Um, I hope they do their job with integrity, but it's not necessarily like a real popular thing. In their society, tax collectors were almost universally cheats. They made their money by charging people more than their bill was, and that's how they did their. That's how they they made their living. Now, speaking of contrast, Matthew is a Jewish person. Usually, the Jews liked their place of contrast 
from the Romans. Okay, the Jews at this point don't have an organized government. They're not in charge of their country. Uh, they they have, don't have that identity. And so they like their identity as a place of contrast with the Roman government. And they didn't want to get too wrapped up in it. So uh, speaking of contrast, who is it that Levi, a Jewish man, happens to be working for at this moment? The Roman government. Now, I looked that up in the Greek. Um, and it says uh, he's at the tax booth. And literally what that means in the Greek is he was working for the man. Okay, no, it doesn't say that in Greek. Okay, but he's working for the government. They would have had every reason to believe that this guy is a complete sellout. He's a cheat. He blurred his religion and his wealth. Perhaps his family was ashamed of him. He's a scumbag in their society. You ever feel like that? You ever feel like a scumbag? I can think back to some of my worst moments. I wrote this down. I felt like a scumbag found next to the sewer rat in the actual sewer tunnel. I felt that way. Maybe you remember some of the darkest times or the, the times of regret and you, you, you feel this way. And so, so let that reality grab hold for a minute. I give it, I give it just a little bit of time. It, it stirs up all kinds of things in our hearts and our minds, doesn't it? I use the plural pronoun there, our, <laughs> okay? Not my or your, it, it, this is what happens. This is our life unless we have Jesus. But Look at what Jesus does. It doesn't stop halfway through 14. As he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax booth. The sentence could end right there. The story could end right there. It doesn't. It says, and he said to him, follow me. So Jesus, as he is known and prone to do, moves forward in relationship with the scumbag. Somebody say, glory to God. Yes, he does, and he will. He knows us personally. This event is full of intentionality on God's part and hope-filled curiosity on Matthew's part. Jesus knows us personally. It's also true Second point today, Jesus doesn't make sense to religion. The question that the people, I love this, um, the, the, we see that Levi rises and follows Jesus. And the very next thing that we're told by Mark in this is he reclined at table in his house. So we go from the guy leaving the tax booth to they're having a party, right? Somebody's having dinner, all right? We gotta have some, we gotta have some food. All right, let's, let's go hang out. <laughs> and so that's kind of the next part of the scene. We're going to get back to verse 15 in a minute. But verse 16, they ask this question. It says, the scribes of the Pharisees, when they saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, he said to his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? This is not an illegitimate question. If anyone of us or any person who professes to be a believer in Jesus Christ is spending a lot of time with tax collectors and sinners. 
now we translate that a little bit into our society, people who are known to have a sinful lifestyle. That's probably the best way we can understand this term sinners is that they were known in public because of their lifestyle. It wasn't something trivial, like they're a Michigan fan, okay? It's not like these little things that annoy, I'm sorry if you root for Michigan, you're probably happy the last couple of years. But for those of us that are from OH, it gets under our skin, all right? It's a little irritating. <laughs> Thank you. All right, we'll have a little bit of fun. It gets a little, I'm not talking about something that just gets under our skin or irritates us. Like, why do you do that? Really, those helmets are so weird with the... No, these are people who were known in public for living sinful lifestyles. And so it's not an illegitimate question. If any one of us spending a lot of time hanging out in these spaces, some questions might be fair. And so to wonder why somebody, a tax collector, an extortionist, a compromiser, uh, sinners, when somebody has a known lifestyle, let's see a couple of responses here. What does religion do? What's the point of Mark telling this story, what's the point of Jesus interacting here? He's showing the grace of God to people who most clearly don't deserve it. That's what he's doing. That's exactly Jesus' intention. And we're going to see that in the way that he, he responds. But let that sink in for a minute. It doesn't make any sense to the people who only know God through routine and rules and religion that God would do this kind of thing and go after that kind of person. Now, let's look back at verse 15. All right, he reclined at table in his house. Many tax collectors and sinners were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. I don't really know what's going on here. It's possible that Jesus kind of invited himself over. He's known to do that. This, uh, if, you're, if you're new to scripture, write down Luke 19 and 1 through 10 and go read later on today or sometime this week, read the story of Zacchaeus. It's a very similar story. Zacchaeus, a really rich guy. He was a chief tax collector and he was really curious about Jesus too. And so Jesus connected with him and said, what does he say? I'm coming over to your house. All right, hopefully somebody's got some food, you got anything in the fridge, you got some leftover. I don't know what they're doing, but here we are where Jesus doesn't just connect with Levi at the tax booth. He ends up at his house. It's possible, I read, read one scholar who said maybe, maybe Levi invited some friends over to say goodbye to the lifestyle. Hey, I'm not doing this anymore. I want to introduce you to this guy that walked by and my soul is stirred. I'm going to follow him. Maybe that's what was going on. Maybe Jesus is, is the host and said, hey, come on, let's invite your friends and they can know who I am too. Either way, Jesus is a really prominent figure in this text. And what he's doing is he's moving toward the sickness. Religion, rules, rituals will never understand that and they will often oppose it. That's part of magnifying Jesus. Thought about that as we sang that song. Oh, Christ be magnified. If I want Jesus to be magnified in my life, a lot of times it will come with misunderstanding from people 
that are in my life, my friends or my family or my neighbors, they won't get it. And sometimes they'll criticize it. I want to tell you a story about a guy that I've met over the past couple of months. He's an Italian living in America. His family are here, but they have enough of their Italian culture. They uh, would, I say they probably loosely are connected to the Roman Catholic Church, which makes sense if you have an Italian background, that you would be a part of the Roman Catholic Church. And he's describing this to me, and, and what his role is, is he has figured out through believers that he's come into contact with where he lives, he's figured out how to make disciples. He loves to share the gospel. He loves to have Bible studies in places. He loves to invite people into those conversations who might be standing around. And he loves to train other people to do this. He's learning how to do it. He's baptizing people. He's learning how to plant churches. And now he's at a spot where he wants to give his life to this kind of ministry. And he's coming to sign on with a missions organization to do that. And so that's the context in which I get to know him. And he calls me and he says, hey, um, pray for me. I'm going to tell my family that I am convinced that I'm supposed to be a missionary. And I thought, okay, they've got some spiritual background that'll be, they'll be in favor of this. Well, I talked to this guy just yesterday, believe it or not. I talked to him just yesterday. I said, hey, how'd that conversation go with your family? And he said, he said, my mom told me that me becoming a missionary who's going to raise support for my salary and to meet my needs and potentially the needs of a family in the future is one of the worst things that she could be told. He went to his family in joy and exuberance of wanting to follow Jesus and explain the gospel to people who need to hear it. And he's being successful at it and he's seeing churches planted and he's excited to go after it with his life and to raise support to do that because God's given him this vision. And he goes to his family who has a religious connection and there is not only no support, at this point in the story, there's opposition. Jesus doesn't make sense to religion. He doesn't. Religion would never understand why Jesus is hanging out with tax collectors and sinners. Does our observation at what God might be doing in somebody's life lead us to awe and wonder before God? Or does it lead us to shake our head and wonder what God might ever want with those people? Jesus doesn't make sense to religion. Third today, Jesus came for sick people. I want to take you to a place that you probably don't like to go. It's kind of a weird place, but I want you to think for a moment about the waiting room at the doctor's office. It's really a curious invention, I think. You have a bunch of people who are sick, right? Maybe guys, the kids are sick or somebody's not feeling well. What do we do? Let's put them all in a room together. Right? Out-of-date magazines, like a bunch of toys the kids can share and get their hands all over their snotty little hands. <laughs> Whoever thought of this is brilliant, 
right? Like whoever walks into the waiting room and says, this is exactly where I want to be on Wednesday morning. I love the waiting room at the doctor's office. I'm going to put a, here's a little uh, picture up here. It's going to make you roiled up. (laughs) Okay. I'm not here to press your buttons about COVID and masks and all that kind of stuff. COVID was a disaster for so many people and so many families and so much loss of life and so much sickness that people endured. Okay. Hopefully at least we can connect on that statement. I I really do want to leave whatever else out of it, but it was a, it was a, a time over the last few years for us to really think about sickness together as not only an American public, but as a global community. What do we think about sickness? How do we approach it? Maybe you're sad that you don't get to wear one of these anymore in Walmart and make comments about all the people under your breath with your mask on. Okay, that was one of the downsides to masks going away. Is you can't, you see, you're kind of smiling. Don't look at me like you didn't do it. Okay, come on. Now, some of you looked really surprised when I said, hey, this is the benefit of still wearing <laughs> Okay, but maybe even just the picture thinks, oh man, it takes me back to that place where we were kind of forced to wear those. I wasn't, I don't want to wear it. I didn't want to wear it or I did. And some people still do, and they're, and they're free to do that. But the question, now you're, 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 you're thinking to yourself, if you know this passage, and you know what Jesus says, you're kind of going, why is he talking about physical sickness? Stay with me. Verse 17, when Jesus heard it, okay, he hears the criticism. Why is he eating with the tax collectors and the sinners? He hears the criticism. He says to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Now I'm going to be serious. The Greek word for sick really means physical sickness. And if we're not convinced by that, not interpreting the Bible correctly, if we're still questioning that, the illustration Jesus uses mentions a doctor. Okay? So he's using an illustration about physical sickness but we know he's not actually talking about physical sickness. It's an illustration to make his point. He's talking to people in his illustration who don't think they need a doctor. They think they're well because of their works, their religious performance, maybe their leadership positions, whatever it is, some sort of outward stature that that builds up their esteem and they think they're well and they don't have any sickness. So the question becomes, if Jesus is literally talking about a doctor and physical sickness, what does he mean? He means those just like Levi. How many of you felt incredible earlier seeing the truth leap off this page that Jesus loved the scumbag, right? It helps us to rejoice. We can go back to those places where we know that Jesus met us when we did that sin and he forgave us and he showed us a way forward. Or there's a season of sin where we were hardened and we were rebellious and he showed us a way forward and he healed 
our heart. Maybe he healed our relationships with somebody we hurt. Maybe he didn't, but he gave us the peace to move forward. He shows us how much he loves us by dying to forgive us. And and we think about that and we rejoice. Well, the, the question is, if we feel that way and we, we understand how incredible it is that Jesus would, would go toward that sickness, the question becomes for us, how comfortable are we around spiritually sick people? If we don't like the <laughs> waiting room at the doctor's, here's the connection. The waiting room at the doctor's office is everywhere we go. It's all of our lives. We're surrounded by people who need Jesus. So who will we take our cues from? Will we take our cues from our Lord? Or will we take our cues from our culture? Well, let's look at how comfortable Jesus was. He was around physically and spiritually sick people for the entirety of his ministry. It's the cast of characters who emerge from the crowds and onto the pages of God's word to us to show how God interacts with people. Big top of the funnel crowds contrasted with the individuals like you and like me, the sick, the broken, the diseased, the demon infested, the desperate, the rich, the wealthy, the comfortable, these are the types of people that came across Jesus' path. We see Jesus interacting with the sick, going after them, going to their house to eat with them. How comfortably, how comfortable are we when it comes to lost people in our lives? How do we consider our own sickness in relationship to Jesus? This might be one of the things that we need to think through, okay? Um, How old is West Hill Church? Does anybody know West Hill Baptist Church? The building is 71 years? Okay. 1971? Okay. Okay. 74 in November. We'll let the voice in the back take it. I don't know that I would say this to a newer church, but I think as, as, we, as we age as believers, the longer we're a believer, we have to consider this, this reality in our hearts. And this is true for me. I think it's true for us the longer we've been believers. If you're a newer believer, you might not be able to relate to this yet. But I want to I speak to those that have been believers. We, we want to consider our own orientation to God. Is it based on what we're doing or is it based on him forgiving us out of our sickness? In Luke's gospel, he tells a story of a sinful woman. So she also lived a very sinful lifestyle. And she came and she had a heart to worship Jesus. She knew uh, he was at Simon uh, the Pharisee's house and she went there and she worshiped him and she was crying and she wet Jesus' feet with her tears and her hair. She went to worship him, and, and believe it or not, the, the Pharisee, the religion guy, didn't understand it and was critical of what she was doing. And so Jesus, at the end of this story, it's in Luke chapter 7 from 36 to 50. In verse 47, 
Jesus says this, therefore I tell you her sins, which are many, are forgiven for she loved much, but he who is forgiven little loves little. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Then those who were at table with him began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. That language of forgiven little and and her sins are many. It really, really helps us to, to evaluate how is our heart oriented with our Lord. Are we not really in that much need of help? Are we drifting toward being the people who don't need a doctor? Or do we worship Jesus all the time because he died for us, because we have that sickness, because we celebrate the work that he did for us, because we can rejoice daily. I bring this up because I don't have it perfected. It can be difficult and the longer we're believers, the farther we get away from that moment when God changed our lives, the more it can feel normal and routine and we can get crusty. And so I just wanna to challenge that in our hearts today. But I don't want us to underestimate God's ability to bring change powerfully and quickly. When we put ourselves in the presence of God, when we put ourselves in his word, he can stir us up. I'll tell you one of the things that God has done, even in in my life, helping to prepare to to bring this message today is I've kind of locked into a couple of specific people in my life that God has just laid on my heart. I know I'm not really being very fair with them in my mind, in my heart, in the way I'm oriented to them. They need Jesus more than they need to not annoy me. (laughs) I'm just being honest. And I think that when we get our face into God's word, he can reveal those things in our lives. I talked to a guy just two weeks ago. It was during the pandemic. And he's telling me this story of how he sat. He was a a believer for a while. He was kind of in a, a church and in some rhythms. And he heard the reality of the spiritual condition of a place in South Asia. And it was, a, it was a virtual missions trip, like back in 2020, when nobody was traveling anywhere. And so he got on a virtual missions trip where on Zoom, you could interact with some leaders from that nation. And they presented the spiritual reality of what was going on. And that day, unbeknownst to him getting on that call, God completely changed his life. I talked to him a couple of weeks ago because he is ready to come on staff with a missions organization and split his time between making disciples among internationals where he lives and going to this particular region and splitting his time in those two places. And it all started because he happened to just get on a Zoom call completely unassuming of what God might do. And so if we walk in here today and we feel this just a little bit and God is starting to work in our hearts, know that it is possible that he can send you another direction. That's the hope we have. He called Levi out of that tax booth. He didn't say, stay in there, you sinner. I don't want anything to do with you, you scumbag. No, he called him out. He said, I want something to do with you. There's a couple of ways I'm gonna invite you to respond as we move toward closing today. One of those is a fresh start. Maybe you're hearing this today and you're going, Jesus really wants something to do with me. I can't believe that. (laughs) 
is true. Maybe you see yourself in this story like, I've been such a scumbag. Yes, it's true, friend. God loves you. He sent his son to this planet to show that he is the son of God, to do miracles that back that up, to take the criticism and to eventually be killed out of rage and jealousy by the religious leaders who should have recognized him. And he wasn't just murdered in some plot of betrayal, even though that's what it was. He was killed so you and I could have a relationship with God that isn't about religion and rules and rituals. It's about freshness and life and change and growth and this back and forth interaction with who God is. That's the reality God invites us into. And so that's one way you may interact with this today is to say, I want to start fresh and new with Jesus Christ right now today. The second way that you may interact with this is you may, you may say, hey, I've been a believer for a while and hmm, got some things to think about. Well, I encourage you to let God speak into those things. I don't, I don't know what might be causing that block. A lot of times it can just be a lack of love. It could be politics. It could be preferences. It could be pride. It could be any one of those things that, that kind of just seeps in over time and passages like this help us to realize how sour our attitudes have become towards maybe some specific people or groups of people in our lives or our culture. And we want God to break those down because we want to have an orientation. We want to have a comfort going to the sick people around us. If you're not in one of those two places, you're probably somebody who's asking questions, probably somebody who's not quite sure what to make of this Jesus. There are plenty of good people at West Hill Baptist Church. There are plenty of good leaders, maybe even the person that invited you to come, continue to ask those questions, continue to be in process. Before I pray and close this out and give us a chance to respond, I put down a couple of verses from a hymn that came to mind. It's an older hymn called, May the Mind of Christ My Savior. Here's two verses from that hymn. May the peace of God my Father rule my life in everything, that I may be calm to comfort sick and sorrowing. And the last verse is, says this, may his beauty rest upon me as I seek the lost to win. And may they forget the channel, seeing only him. Would you pray with me? God, we commit this time uh, to you. We, we are so thankful for your word and the way that it challenges us. I want to pray right now with any individual in this room or somebody who's uh, listening to this message uh, in an online format and just been through a season, maybe their whole life of just beating themselves up of all the things they did, guilt, shame. Satan's very good at reminding us of all of those things, uh, of who we are and all the mistakes we've made, all the sins we've committed and rubbing our face in it. And maybe you have felt hopeless and you never thought that God wanted anything to do with you. And maybe today is a day where you say, hey, I, I want to plant my flag with, with Jesus. That's my identity. I want the forgiveness of God. I want a new and a fresh relationship with him. I believe today that he will do that. If you 
are responding that way today, know that it's not about your effort. I want to invite you to pray and to respond to God, uh, but know that it's because Jesus has died for you. He's done the work. He's died in your place. He rose from the dead to show that he's got power over your sin and power over death. But I want you to pray where you are and say, I don't want a new life. I don't want to just feel better for this moment. I want to put my life under your authority. I thank you for Jesus. And I pray, God, that you will help me in every way to begin to know you and to follow you, that you'll continue to forgive me as I, as I mess up and sin along the way, that you will make me into something totally new because I'm tired of doing it my way. God, give me the strength and the power and to do it your way. And if that's your prayer, the honest plea from your heart, he will do that. He will fill you with his Holy Spirit. God himself will come and live inside of you and make you uncomfortable with your ways and your sins. And he will help you to overcome them. He will give you a purpose and a mission in your life that you too can go and share this same hope with people around you who need it just as badly as you do. And so I pray God for the believers at West Hill Baptist Church that you will stir hearts in this room You'll stir our hearts to this special time that we've had together today to consider our comfort among sickness. Help us to remember and recognize the sickness all around us, not just the people who annoy us, not just the people that we disagree with, not just the people that we murmur about underneath our mask. God, give us a heart to come for the sick, just like Jesus did. Help us to encourage each other as we do that. I pray, God, that you will change lives in West Akron because of the believers at West Hill Baptist Church. And we will continue rejoicing in the work of the Holy Spirit. I pray for your blessing upon this time. Change our hearts. Help us to be thankful, God, for the power of your word to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Kevin. Um, you've been challenged. You've heard God's word today. You've been challenged. And you've been challenged to respond. And, and one way or another, you will respond, whether that's ignoring what was said today or actually taking it and 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 going from there and letting God speak to you. And so we're very thankful for the challenge that Kevin has brought to us today through God's word. And we just ask for uh, God's blessing on our, our week this week and that it would just be a continued relationship. It wouldn't just be about today. We don't want Sunday to just be the only time that you go to God. So continue to go to him, continue to be in his word, continue to pray, um, and just have a, a blessed week ahead of you. Thank you for being with us today, and we'll, we'll see you later. Have a great week.